Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews in the podcast form. Today we are continuing the Best of 2022 series, my favorite films that I saw this last year. And today we move on to Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. Now The Fablemans is probably as close to a look into Steven Spielberg's upbringing as we've ever seen in film. Um... This is a, a very deeply personal movie for him, kind of taking a look behind the curtain as to how he first fell in love with film, um, the effect both his parents had on him um, in terms of how you know he grew up and how he channeled some of that love of movie making, um, and a look at really how he has told his stories throughout so many of his films in the past. Um, you know, he opens up about his parents' marriage. You get a really in-depth look at what his life was like as a child, um, kind of the struggles he went through as a teenager, um, a lot of things that kind of shaped the director that he would become. Um, you know, thinking of Spielberg, so many people have such an attachment to the films he's made because he truly has made some of the most iconic films in the history of man from Jaws to the Indiana Jones films and Jurassic Park. Then you jump into war films like Saving Private Ryan. You've got Schindler's List. There's Minority Report, War of the Worlds, um, Lincoln. I mean, there's no category or genre that this man hasn't delved into and done a spectacular job telling and showing some of the greatest stories we've ever seen. Um... And it's always interesting when you ask people, you know, what's your favorite Spielberg film or what's your favorite Nolan film or Fincher film or whomever. Um, you know, everybody has their own personal experiences. Uh, it's E.T. for some, Close Encounters. Uh, there's such a breadth of filmmaking history that he has compiled in his career. Uh, for me... One of the first films of his that really spoke to me. Um, you know, I saw so many of the classics over time at an early age and throughout high school especially. Um, but Catch Me If You Can was one of the most interesting films that I probably had ever seen growing up. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was by far and away my favorite actor ever since watching the Titanic when I was young. Um, and the Romeo plus Juliet, but Catch Me If You Can uh, was a far more emotional role for him. It was probably one of my favorite Tom Hanks performances as well. But this is a film that follows a boy who has, a younger boy, a younger man, whose parents have separated. His world has kind of collapsed, and he's running from that. He doesn't kinda, He doesn't know how to deal with the fact that his parents might not be the right person for each other. He doesn't know how to deal with living in two different places. And when I watched The Fablemans, and when I started to understand some of what his own home was like, some of what that home life with his parents was like, um, I really started to see and think more about the influence that his family had in many of his films. Um, Catch Me If You Can just happened to stand out to me because it deals so closely with the separation of parents or this understanding of being a child or being a young adult and looking 
at that relationship and wanting it to work and hoping that they stay together. Um, and it, I, the Fablemans just fascinated me because it's Steven Spielberg telling a dramatic story at his best, but with some truly astounding technological um, showcases throughout as well. Uh, one of the things that really stood out to me at the very beginning, because there's been so much discussion about Babylon and filmmaking and, you know, does it glorify Hollywood? Does it also condemn it? Does it show you the best parts of Hollywood and filmmaking? And we know the Academy loves movies about Hollywood. Um, but whereas some of the other films this last year have felt a little too on the nose with, hey, we're going to say this about Hollywood, we're going to say this about filmmaking, The Fablemans invites you to live with the character of Sammy, who's, you know, it's a substitute for Steven Spielberg, Sammy Fableman. Um, you watch when he's eight years old at the very beginning of the film. He's taken to, uh, taken to a movie with his parents, played by Paul Dano and Michelle Williams. And there's a train crash. And in the film, a train barrels through all these different obstacles. And you see all the carts falling up and crashing all over each other and tumbling. And he's captivated by it. You know, it's the first time you've seen something awe-inspiring like this. And just, you know, I think crazy is one of the words to describe it, maybe. Because you become obsessed. And very quickly after seeing the movie, you know, he wants a train set. And his dad has cameras, and he wants to try to recreate what this train crashing looked like, you know, on his own little miniature model. Um, and it quickly starts a love of film and a fascination with the stories that you can tell in a visual medium. Um, and, you know, one of the things I had to think about as well while watching it was, you know, what were some of the first movies that I had seen when I was a kid, especially in the theater? Um, certain films like Titanic, uh, The Mummy, Spy Kids, you know, were all ones that I could think that I saw around eight years old, maybe, uh, when I had a better understanding, at least, of, you know, I say better understanding, like I wasn't watching a lot of kids' shows and movies, but a better understanding, at least, of like, oh, this is a movie, this is something special, and it's a spectacle, and they can do things in a movie that you'll never see in real life, the only you hear about in stories. Um, but I remember quite possibly my first theatrical experience when I think of an experience, uh, it had to be the first Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl. And coincidentally, I was eight years old at the time that movie came out. And I remember going with my two best friends and, you know, our moms, the moms group and all their sons all born around the same time, you know, you know, friends since birth, we all, uh, we all went and saw that movie, and in so many moments, I was equal parts scared at some of the gunfighting, the cannons, the skeletons, these creatures, everything. You know, it was terrifying, but in the same like the same regard, it was fascinating. I was so fully immersed in a world that I couldn't even dream of, um, seeing pirates and all these military men fighting, all these battles out at sea. Um, it was just one of the craziest things I had ever seen in my life. And it's an experience that always stuck with me because I think back to so many times um, watching that film and its franchise and where it started with me. 
um, you know, still living in Houston, still didn't understand a lot of it, which, you know, it helped going back and watching those movies again later. Um, but just the fascination and obsession with the idea that you can create entire worlds on screen just grabbed me and I was never the same since and quickly became obsessed with films as a young kid. Um, and you know, there was something encouraged by my family as well. I'm glad I came from a family of movie lovers and watchers. Um, but just like this movie, it is instant. You see this attachment to a world that you can create and an audience that you can captivate. Um, and the film really just starts to take off. Gabriel LaBelle plays Sammy more in that middle school, high school age. Um, and he gives one of the greatest performances of the year, hands down. He balances so well a character who's trying to, you know, you want to respect your family, you want to respect your father, your mother. Clearly he's obsessed with film. This is something he wants to do. And, you know, to his father, it's a hobby. You know, it's nice that you do this. These are fun little videos you do for Boy Scouts or for the family on our trips. But, you know, it's not a career. This isn't a job. It's not something that you're going to do like that. Um, and then, of course, you have his mother, who is the more artistic of the two, who encourages everything creative and passionate within her kids. And it seems like certainly gave up on some of her own passions and uh, artistic outlets in favor of living a more normal life or a more housewife kind of like, for lack of a better word. Um, and it's, you know, early on you see this battle. And it's not a battle in the sense of something that's aggressive or, you know, they're constantly bickering and it's a fight over, can you express your art? Is it a job? It's, it's never portrayed like that. Um, but you understand that Sammy sees the serious side of the world that you have to look at and the reality of the world and having a job or having a family and needing security and needing to pay these bills and needing to do all this. And then he sees his mom who longs for the ability to, uh, to create and to inspire and do these things again. Um, and so, you know, he's always recording. He has his film camera with him wherever he's going. Um, and uh, one of the things I loved that you see throughout his capturing of some of these moments is, you know, he'll do these little films throughout the film, whether it's for his Boy Scouts, for his mother, for his family. And you see throughout the years just how creative he gets with how he tells his stories whether it's in a visual sense, if you don't have audio, you know, you might not have, you know, for a, a child, for a teenager, you know, having an expensive camera is one thing, but sound recording equipment and editing equipment, all these things, you know, it's, it's very expensive and it's very unattainable for people outside of the industry as well, or for people who do that as a profession and watching this young boy get creative in terms of how he could edit his film or how he could make certain things happen on the screen without recording them, but by getting creative with the film itself or how he chose to display it. Um, it's 
so cool to see them also use miniatures or utilizing uh, certain props or just different filmmaking techniques that are maybe widely used now, but would have blown people away back then. Um, and so many moments in this film, you just get sucked into the awe and the love of movies and how they can affect us and just how innovative people really are when it comes to creating these technologies to record all this, number one, and understanding how recording pictures and moving pictures and adding audio and all these things uh, comes to be. But you look at the time that they're doing all this too, in the 50s and the 60s, and you understand what we have now and what we take for granted in our three camera, 4K, 60 FPS recording devices. Um, it was not that easy. People did not have the ability to make a movie in their pocket the way that we can now. Um, and uh, this film just spoke to me in so many ways. And it just, it sang to me sometimes with what it had to say and what it had to show about what a movie can evoke and what sometimes can only be told through film. You know, as humans, there's so much that's so hard to discuss. There's so many things that people take to their grave, secrets, regrets, um, loneliness, depression. I, You know, there's a number of things that we, as a species, are either told not to talk about you're meant to feel bad if you discuss these things. I don't want to bring someone down. I, you know, how can you showcase heartbreak? I don't want to talk about it. Um, and other shorter than reading it in novels or books or stories, um, movies, TV shows, photographs, so many different visual mediums where you don't need words sometimes to express what someone's feeling or what the scene is showing you, whether it's a, a musical cue to go along with a, a moving picture. Sometimes when we escape our own lives, when we see films, you know, we leave changed for a reason because in my opinion, the job of a great film is to say something. Number one, you know, they have an opinion. They have something that they want to say, something that they're talking about. Um, whether it's a larger idea or, you know, condemning a notion or exposing the way people live or the way we actually operate, um, the way the government operates, everything. Um, I think a good film leaves you better than you were before, whether that's emotionally, intellectually, um, empathetically, um, stories at their best move us and they change us fundamentally sometimes and i know that sounds really corny and that sounds like a you know this is the poster child for movies and hollywood and what the best of us can inspire but i really in a non-cheesy way i think that the best movies change us for the better and they challenge us to look at different ways of life. And they challenge us to think about a world that we can only imagine. A world that maybe we didn't have to live through, a la Saving Private Ryan. 
and the devastation you see immediately on Normandy Beach. You know, a guy is trying to find his arm. People are being blown apart, killed left and right. These are boys. And, you know, as a person who's never had to go to war, who's never had to fight in a war, who's had the luxury to never have a war come to our turf for the most part, you know, in a, you know, a guy who grew up playing video games with violence and warfare and, you know, I can understand how as a culture people are desensitized to killing or a war or the idea that, oh, I know those things were bad and you don't know that they were bad though. Because a movie, and that's what Saving Private Ryan was, a movie made it look so horrifying to get off those ships. A movie made war look so horrifying, so awful, so heartbreaking. And it's a movie. That's not even a fraction of what happened. Those are people who... After the camera cut, got up, got cleaned off, got paid, went home. You know, there are real soldiers who died there in the most horrific ways possible. But Spielberg's film, and it's regarded as one of the best war films for a reason, evokes some of the strongest emotions in terms of how we think about war, how we think about violence, when we think about what we're thankful for, in terms of what people before us did to afford the life that we have now. Um, you know, that is a movie that challenges you as a watcher. And you come out of that film changed. Um, and, and what I got out of The Fablemans was really just how important filmmaking not only was to Spielberg, but how important it is to us as a culture, as a people, in the stories that we tell, and the further and further away we get from them, it is important to understand and remember, or try to come as close as we can to show future generations what it was like, what life was like, what love, what loss, all of these things were like. Um, and you know, there's just some brilliant, brilliant moments in this film. We're watching something that a, a kid assembled from a kid's point of view. Um, could be so devastating, can be so heartbreaking, and it can also make you cheer in so many moments. There are so many moments in this film where I could not wipe the smile off my face. And when you understand how much this means to society as a whole, I, you know, I don't want to go too far overboard in my praise for this film because I know that some people did not have the reaction that I had. Um, but I thought this was a terrific, dramatic, you know, interpretation or as close as Spielberg got to showing us what his life was like, how he grew to love film, how he grew to love telling stories, and how he also kept so much inside him for so long and how it ate at him and ate away and seeped into all these different projects he had. Um, you're kidding yourself if you don't think that he is one of the absolute best at what he does. Um, and this film of his really, 
I mean, really struck a chord with me. Um, a chord. Uh, it is undoubtedly one of my favorite movies of the year. It's got to be one of my favorite movies that he's done ever. You know, he combines again with John Williams to deliver a beautiful score to accompany um, this beautiful, beautiful film. Um, the performances are fantastic. Truly, Gabriel LaBelle and Seth Rogen, for me, deliver perhaps the best performances. But uh, Paul Dano and Michelle Williams are great. They, uh, they you know, there's so many ways that you could display. I'm, I'm just thinking about the idea of how do I portray my parents? How do I portray my family? How do I do this in a way that's respectful but honest and obviously shows my point of view? Um, and, you know, Paul Dano has such a light, sincere presence throughout the whole film. Um, he's supportive. He's stern, but he is never dismissive to a to a degree or upsetting or lashing out. Um, thought Michelle Williams sometimes bordered a little bit on the too ditzy, just a little bit. Um, you know, obviously I don't know Spielberg's parents, so that could be just what she was like. Um, and so I, I don't know. The performance for me was good. I wouldn't nominate it like some were saying personally. But uh, top to bottom, this film should absolutely be seen by everyone. If you love movies, if you love Spielberg, I think you owe it to yourself to give this film a shot, to learn more about the man who has taught us so much about ourselves and so much about movies and history in general. Um, so, yeah, The Fablemans, it's a must. Join us next time as we move on and move our way through the top 10 films of 2022. Thanks again for listening, guys.